The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You are entering the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour with Josh Dunn and Anshu Khanna. You are now in the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. I am Josh Dunn. I am joined as always by Anshu Kana. Anshu, the NBA Finals are underway. We're actually recording toward the end of Game 3, which we'll get to. A lot of baseball, but more importantly, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Looking forward to a big-time weekend with you out in Tennessee. I think if, if people are listening to our show, they just assume we're doing something random every single weekend, which is pretty accurate, I think. How's it going with you? It's going well. I'm also looking forward to that. Uh, Nash Vegas, as they call it. Looking forward to spending some time with a few of our good buddies out that way. But before we do, we've got to talk to our friends about what's going on in the baseball world. So we had the MLB draft uh, this week and uh, some big free agents that have been kind of hanging out there for a while, starting to clear these muddy waters a little bit. The first uh, domino to fall in that is Craig Kimbrell, uh, the former closer for the Boston Red Sox. He ends up signing with the Chicago Cubs. There was a lot of smoke around that earlier today. Theo Epstein came out and said he was going to do his due diligence. And before the day is up, Kimbrell's got a $43 million three-year deal. He'll make $10 million this year for the remainder of 2019. First of all, Anshu, how do you see this as a, as a fit for the Cubs? Obviously, relief has been one of the areas that they really needed to, to get better in uh, because the offense has really picked it up in recent weeks. Yeah, I mean, the Cubs clearly were waiting for this this time, as you've put it. I mean, the, the muddy waters to clear, and that's, you know, the, the draft pick tied to any kind of major free agent acquisition that you make. So the Cubs don't have to sacrifice that. They're able to still keep what would have been a first-round pick, probably, in terms of compensation for Kimbrell had they made this signing a few months ago. And from Kimbrell's perspective, you know, he's 32 years old, um, or 30, you know, close to 32. Yeah, um, but, you know... Like if he's going to get paid 33 years for 43 million, um, you know, he basically would have gotten that in the offseason anyway. So he essentially gets to save a half season off his arm um, or, you know, a third of a season off his arm. And we know how good he is. And, you know, even last year with the Boston Red Sox, I mean, his velocity was basically about the same. I mean, it it came down maybe a mile an hour, but it's about the same as it was a couple years ago. So he's one of the absolute best relievers in baseball and uh, the Cubs with Pedro Strupp coming back. I, I think it, it, their bullpen is, is certainly a strength at this point along with uh, you know, some of the other pieces they have a CJ Edwards can get it figured out. Steve Ciszek has been a revelation for them out of the pen as has Tyler Chatwood in his new role. So the Cubs are starting to round out their staff certainly at this point. So you, you'd have to assume after a couple weeks of, you know, in uh, a triple A assignment that Kim, Kimbrell's going to be the closer do you see Pedro Strope maybe going to that setup role like we've seen him in the past? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, you don't 
put this kind of dollar figure on a player that's not going to close or at least be in your most significant high leverage situations. And the Red Sox started to kind of illustrate that blueprint the last few years with him. I mean, this is a guy who averaged 16 strikeouts per nine innings two years ago. 16. That is, as a 30-year-old, is is absolutely unheard of in 69. Very nice innings pitched for Boston. So I, I think that he's going to be, I mean... Look, two years ago, he was one of the he had one of the best relieving seasons in the history of the game. And, you know, if you add that to the National League, to the Cubs, I'm not sure they're always going to be safe situations, but certain save situations. But during the regular season, I expect him to provide a lot of fantasy value in that save role. And then in the playoffs, he's probably likelier to kind of serve as that Josh Hader, maybe, you know, four or five out type of player. Yeah, and he's a guy that so many people have held on to on fantasy rosters throughout this season, kind of expecting him to be signed. Obviously, it took a little while, uh, but this is a fantasy sports show. You mentioned the impact that he'll have as far as saves go, so he's going to help big time in a categories league. But you mentioned that 16 strikeouts per nine that he had a few years back. I mean, that's got to be something, even though he's a few years older, you mentioned that the velocity might be slightly down. Uh, you know, that's something that you you probably would want to have on your roster in a points league, too. And you can kind of see that with uh, the pickups that we've seen for him, uh, at least <laughs> at, at least on the Yahoo front. Are you speaking from personal experience? No, I mean, there? he was up plus like plus nine percent uh, since last week, just just for as far as pickups. And I think that, you know, that we a lot of people were kind of expecting him to sign after the draft ended. And that's been the talk of, you know, both Kimbrell and Keiko, who we'll get to. Absolutely. No, I, I'm just kidding. He is absolutely worth a pickup in any kind of league. This guy has had the peripherals since he was a young pitcher in the Braves organization. And he's, you know, been awesome in the AL with, in a much tougher scenario with Boston. We know those different teams that he had to match up against some brutal playoff series and matchups um, just in terms of difficulty. And I mean, you throw him into that NL Central right now, I think Kimbrell could definitely be a game changer both for you know the Cubs and for your fantasy team so assuming that he's able to still throw around 97 um, you know you put him with Tommy Ottavi a, a very good pitching coach there in Chicago and I just I think that this is going to be a, a really good fit for him and um, you know as a Southside fan not as excited obviously but you know this is uh, if you're a fantasy player and he's somehow on your waiver wire, if, if somebody is desperate, you know, to make a move, if, if they have Kimbrel and they're kind of at the bottom of their standings, I would strongly suggest making a run at him because he's very likely to put up some big time numbers. And you mentioned in category leagues, he's even more valuable. All right. So before we move on from Kimbrel, if you're an odds maker, what do you think this does to move the needle for the Cubs World Series odds if we're talking futures? It's a great question. Um, I mean, as of right this second, the Cubs are in first place over the Brewers by about a half game, I believe. They're three up on the Cardinals. Um, you know, it's. I think that it probably moves it a little bit. I would say they were about even with the Brewers. This probably tilts it to maybe slight favorites over Milwaukee. But, I, I mean, you got to also look at the few, going forward. Are the Cubs going to have the money to make a, get another big investment in the middle of the season? I mean, this is as good as it gets. They didn't have to give up anybody off their current or future rosters. Um, you got to think the Brewers have to have at least two or th- one or at least two, probably three moves, I would think, in their in their holster. So, um, I, but I would I would nudge the Cubs ahead of the Brewers right now in terms of being the favorite in the division. I think that's significant. So let's stay with pitchers, but move to starting pitchers. We kind of alluded to it, but Dallas Keuchel is the other guy that's expected to sign here now that the draft is behind us. Obviously, he had a really solid career in Houston for the Astros. Uh, he's He's been 
pitching a simulated game every five days to stay in shape, uh, to be ready to be on an MLB roster. And it sounds like the New York Yankees have emerged as the favorite to sign Keuchel. Uh, I read a story today that Keuchel agreed to sign uh, to shave his beard uh, if the Yankees end up giving him the, the dollar figure that he wants. So it's kind of funny that that's actually a thing. But uh, it is a rule in New York. So, but but do you think it's a good fit for Keuchel first of all? And you know, is anybody else going to be a dark horse that maybe comes in in the eleventh hour and makes uh, makes an offer? I mean, we just talked about the NL Central, and I mean, if you're if you're the Brewers and you don't want to give up more off your farm system after having traded for Kimbrel and you know signing uh, Lorenzo Cain last off season, thereby losing that draft pick we just talked about with Kimbrel, um, and and that might have been tied to Keuchel before. Uh, you know, this is a good move. I think if they if they're able to, I mean, their their starting rotation is kind of rounded into form now that Jimmy Nelson is up. Um, you know, they have some good pitchers. They have Corbin Burns. They have you know, Julius Chassin is going to be back. They've got Brandon Woodruff. But um, if you really want that guy, that guy that's been there in the playoffs and the Brewers obviously have been after last year. But, you know, if you want that veteran pitcher, I think that Dallas Keuchel makes some sense there. I think that the Cardinals, that makes even more sense to me. I mean, it, look, here's the thing about Keuchel. He's going to be 32, um, you know, next by uh, he'll be 31 for the duration of this year. But 32, 33, 34 years expecting probably more than what Kimbrel got. So four years, 60 ish million is what I would guess on Kimber on Keuchel. Um, but you know, this has never been a power pitcher pitcher. He's learned a lot of good things from Houston, but he doesn't have that high spin rate, that big time strikeout number. He's, he's the kind of guy kind of like John Lester, where I expect him to sort of stay solid through, you know, his next few years and into and past his prime. So uh, I think anybody would be getting a really good deal with him. I'm not sure about the Yankees, honestly. Like they might have the money to do it, but I just don't really love the fit there. Just because I, I could see him giving up a bunch of moon balls in uh, in that band box in New York. So I, I would look to another team to sign him. Maybe the Twins would be an interesting fit. Um, definitely think the Brewers and and Cardinals should also be looking at him. But that's my my two cents, and I expect him to sign very soon. Yeah, the Braves were looking at him as well, but it doesn't sound like they want to give him the dollar figure that he's going to be offered from other teams. So there, it sounds like, at least at this point, out of the running, and unless they decide to make a late push there. Uh, what about from a fantasy perspective? What do you think Keiko can offer? I mean, is he a legitimate starting pitcher? I mean, like I said, he has been staying in shape and preparing for this moment, but are you willing to pick him up off waivers or, or to make a trade for him and give him the kind of value that we've seen out of him in the past? Some inconsistency last season, but you know, in the few years prior to that, he was one of the better pitchers in the league. Yeah, for sure. I mean, part of this depends where he goes. I, I do think that if he becomes a Yankee, yes, you're probably getting wins, um, which matters in fantasy. But I, I think that on the other hand, your ratios are going to get thrown way out of whack. And there is some risk, like you said, because of what he looked like last season, you know, is his skill, are his skills diminishing without a real spring training? I, like you said, he, he had like an extended spring training. He had, you know, some, he's been pitching every fifth day in those simulated games, but that's nothing like the real thing. That's not exactly like the real thing, obviously. So uh, if he goes to a bigger park, if he's a, if he does sign with like a San Diego, if he goes to Milwaukee, I think that that changes the perspective, even St. Louis. Whereas in New York, I think that his propensity or his ability to limit home runs, um, you know, would be it'd be difficult to keep that up uh, in in New York. So it, it depends heavily on where he goes. But certainly I mean, either way, I think you have to sign, especially in points leagues, just because, you know, his 
he's rarely hurt. He's, you know, knock on wood and, and he's always just kind of rolled out there and been someone that does just enough to get the win or get the quality start. So from that perspective, you know, if you can pick up what would have been, where, where did, I mean, he's like a top 30 pitcher basically coming into a season, if not top 20 or top 15. So, you know, if you can get that guy off your waivers, I think you have to do it in any league. It's just, it kind of changes either your fab money or the amount you trade for him. Yeah, and they're clinging on to a one-and-a-half game lead on the Rays. The Boston's still out there six-and-a-half games back, but the Yankees are on a three-game skid. I mean, does this push, does this move the needle enough for the Yankees to be considered the favorite in this division? I mean, this is one of the more competitive divisions right now, and they could use the extra arm for sure. If the Yankees sign him? Yeah, I yeah mean, I mean, they're, they're obviously in the division lead, but uh, you know Boston's going to make a, a run at some point. Tampa Bay's been, I, I think, a lot better than most people expected them to be. I know you called this earlier in the year, but uh, you know how, how much does this kind of push them out in the, into the to, to the forefront in this division? Yeah, I mean, if the Yankees were to get Keuchel, they are the runaway favorites in the division, okay. even with our love for the Rays, and you know, even knowing that the Red Sox are kind of hanging around, but. You know, like you said, six and a half games back already for the Red Sox. That's a lot to make up in, you know, what, 100 games remaining in this season. So I feel like if, if Keuchel signs with the Yankees, it's a total like I would put them as as almost as big a favorite as the Astros are in the in the West. That's, I'm not quite because of the fact that the Rays and Red Sox are still hanging around. But, you know, if they were to get him, it'd be very tough, especially with Louis, Louis Severino coming at, back after the uh, All-Star break. And, you know, James Paxton has already missed some time and he's back, even though he didn't look good tonight. Um, it would be very, very difficult to imagine the Yankees choking that away. And, you know, with Stanton and Judge coming up back in, Gregorius as well. Yankees just have a, so much talent that it's really that would be such a huge bonus for them. All right, let's let's talk about one final pitcher. This is not one that is going to sign or has signed, but Carlos Carrasco. Really, I mean, the the, the Indians have been just battered with injuries lately. Uh, Carrasco yeah. now out indefinitely. He's got a blood condition. The Indians are expecting, or maybe a better word would be hoping, that he is able to return at some point this season. But uh, they said he's been feeling lethargic in recent weeks. I know he hasn't looked himself in some of the more recent starts either, but. You know the tribe now at, at thirty and thirty, second in the AL Central. The Twins have looked odd, uh, oddly way better than the Indians so far this year. But what does this do for the tribe's chances? I know they were your pick for the AL Central. They were Dan's pick for the AL Central. Our buddy from the leftovers. But is this something they can come back from? I mean, they were pitching with a bullpen by committee tonight. This is getting ugly for the for the Indians. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is it is getting late early for them. I. I I worry for our buddies in Cleveland uh, that are, are fans of this team. I mean, not only are they at 500, but they actually, according to their Pythagorean record based on run differential, should be actually slightly worse. So they are what they their record says they are. I mean, their run differential has basically been negative over the course of the first 60 games. And you lose your rock. I mean, he has been their only good player really this year from cover to cover as far as what they expected to what, you know, today's been when you think of Kluber and Salazar and Clevenger, all these guys getting hurt or being out for the season. And, um, and, you know, Bieber has been great, but he's obviously very young and Bauer has been a disaster as has Trevor Bauer and uh, Carlos Carrasco, you know, 
<laughs> has been a rock for them. 11 strikeouts to one and a half walks per nine. Absolutely insane ratios. Actually, was pre- this has been his best year of his career in terms of strikeouts to walks. He's been extremely unlucky. We talked about that last week as far as his ERA goes. And I'm... I just I feel bad for them because I, now it becomes much more difficult to picture them. Even if we all think that the Twins are a little bit fluky um, at 40, 40 and 19, that's just such a crazy start. Um, you know, making up those 10 and a half games that the Indians have to without Carrasco, even with Kluber coming back and Clevenger coming back and Bauer, you know, coming back to life and Jose Ramirez hopefully getting back to what he was. Even accounting for all that, it's really tough to make up 10.5 games the way the Twins are hitting and pitching right now. Do you believe in the Twins? I mean, obviously, that, like you said, it's a big lead, but do you believe that the Twins can hang on and, and maybe not keep this up? But, you know, I mean, a 10.5 game lead, I, you mentioned about 100 games left in the season. Is Minnesota for real, or do you expect them to, to kind of pull back a little bit at some point? I mean, right now they have the best record in, I guess they're tied with the Astros in terms of uh, win percentage, but like, no, I I don't, I expect them to win the AL Central now. I will say that I I would be very surprised if you kept Carrasco on this team, I would still pick the Indians, but taking him out of the equation and just having all that uncertainty around Kluber, I think there's a chance the Indians might end up selling at the deadline, which is just insane to me to even think about, but they need to get on a run and soon, and it should have started in this series with the Twins, but it got rained out. It looks like they're going to lose that game tonight. Um, and so, I, I mean, it's just going to be really tough for the Indians uh, to make up that ground. So unless they've got a Keiko-esque chip up their sleeve, it's I, I think it's going to be real tough for Cleveland. So I do think the Twins have it, what it takes to win a weak AL Central, but when it comes to the big boys in the playoffs, I don't give them a chance in hell against the Yankees and Astros even the Rays and maybe the Red Sox. I just, I don't think it's going to work out for them. Yeah. The tribe has had the ultimate, what could have been when you think back to 1997 and you know, them being in a position to win a world series then. And now what happened in 2016 against the Cubs, uh, you know, having an opportunity in game seven and then you have the rain delay and, and they, they were able to maintain and keep a lot of that roster intact, but the injuries this year are just burying this team. And it's, you hate to see it as a White Sox fan, but uh, it's a real shame. No, but seriously, I mean, it, it, it is, it is tough. I mean, we've, we've got a lot of friends and that are listeners that are, they're fans of the tribe. And, you know, it's, it's difficult, uh, you know, to watch your team have injuries like this. And we've seen some of that as, as White Sox fans. And you think of, you know, Carlos Rodon and some of the injuries that they've had this year as well. But obviously we don't have the same expectations on the South side of Chicago that the city of Cleveland did coming into this year, even with the Lindor injury and some of the other things that they've been facing. For sure. I mean, for sure. And I like just to, to go into the season knowing that Lindor, this might very well be his last year. And it was such a swing year for them both last year and this year, but especially this year when it looks like Kluber, you know, there were, there were talks about Kluber and Bauer being traded. And they, at the end of the day, they decided to run it all back and, to run it all back and have it end like this or, or look like it's going to end like this is just tough to see, but we'll see. There's still a hundred games left. I mean, through 60, it's not looking great, but um, you know, we've seen them get on some pretty insane streaks before. So um, if Jose Ramirez can round into form, there's a chance that that second wild card is still very much there for the taking. So, you know, the Indians need to get hot, but we know how talented they are. We know how good their pitching is. And I would say, don't give up the ship just yet. Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, that's putting it nicely, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how things transpire. It'll be tough, yeah. but uh, we, like you said, they've gone on runs before. They're gonna need they're gonna need the bats more than ever. That's for sure. 
All right, we've promised NBA Finals talk. The game has now ended, and we are going to get to it. But before we do, let's pause just for a second to hear a message from our friends over at Podcast One. Coming soon to Podcast One, the Gigi Podcast with Rick Fox, Jace Hall, and Todd Roy. Log on to see the world behind the esports you love and find out what good game really means from the trio who's taken the business by storm, including the three-time NBA champion behind Team Echo Fox. Download new episodes of the Gigi Podcast every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. All right, Anshu, it is time to talk NBA Finals. Who would have thought at this point that after three games of the NBA Finals that I would actually be in a good mood to talk about the NBA Finals? I don't think you expected it. I didn't expect it. That's, oh. for, that's for damn sure. Uh, but the, the Toronto Raptors are sitting with a 2-1 to one lead after winning at Golden State to go up in the series. Obviously, some key injuries for Golden State. Kevin Durant still out. Clay Thompson was a late scratch, was not playing in this game, and then Kavon Looney broke his collarbone. He's out indefinitely. Uh, and Toronto just kind of, from cover to cover, controlled this game. Everybody chipped in. They, we've talked a lot about the role players for Toronto. They had six players in double figures. They had five guys with 17 or more, and everybody did their part here. What do you have to say for this Toronto team, and is this a legitimate series at this point? I mean... It's two to one Toronto. It, it's absolutely a legitimate series. And, um, you know, so impressed with the way Toronto has played. I just want to say that, like the way that they've gone about it, forget the injuries and all that, like the way that Kawhi Leonard has put this team on his back. But more than that, the way that the supporting cast has played even better than they did against Milwaukee, I think, like even though they won in six. I just I, I never got that vibe from Toronto. And even you could throw it back to that Philly series. I mean, it took that miracle shot to get them moving along. And, and it's just kind of the beauty of sports. Sometimes you start believing in yourselves and, and uh, you know, what they have become. And all, especially on the defensive end, I I was amazed, you know, at the end of the game, you kind of always expect, even if you hate the Warriors, for them to put it together. And it was kind of sad to see honestly at the end where they give no, the ball to, it, it was it was sad for a warriors fan i'm sure to see Since like 2016 15 <laughs> to see demarcus cousins roll to the basket and just get rejected by the rim basically i mean they had no other options other than steph and steph did his best obviously to put them on his back but they they just didn't have enough and and right now at least with the players the chess pieces out on the board the Raptors are the better team. Like no question in my mind, they're the more talented team. They're the better coach team. They're the better executing team. And, you know, they're the better all around team and they might have the best player right now. And uh, I think that that's a pretty good recipe for a legit series. Yeah. I mean, when Draymond Green's your second best option on the offensive side of the ball, it's going to be a recipe for disaster. And he, you know, he chipped in with 17 points, but Steph Curry has 47 points. He did. He didn't look good attacking the rim like we've seen. And when you can, when you can have your coverage kind of fade his way because you don't have to worry about Clay Thompson or Kevin Durant, it's going to make the game a lot different. And you saw that in this game. I mean, 17 points seems like he had a Draymond-esque game. 
but he didn't play the type of game that we've seen out of Draymond. Of course, you're only going to have four assists when you don't have Klay Thompson to pass to for a wide open three. And Steph Curry basically just played hero ball the entire game. He played a James Harden type of a game. Yeah, he took the ball. Great comparison. He took he took the, every shot he had the opportunity to, and he finished with a well rounded stat line. He did have uh, eight rebounds and seven assists in this game. But Steph Curry is not going to win you a championship by himself. He is not. He's not LeBron James, even though LeBron had the, the you know the people by his side that he did when he won his championships. Uh, he's not that same type of a player. And even though he puts 47 up, which is a playoff career high, that's not going to get it done against, like you said, a well-rounded Raptors team. Kawhi, Kawhi has 30 in this game. Pascal Siakam with 18. Danny Green finally has a good game from three, hits six out of ten from behind the arc. And Kyle Lowry was five of nine. Obviously, they're not going to shoot it this well from the three-point line. They were 17 to 38 for 44 uh, 45% in this one. You're not going to have that every game, but if, if the Warriors don't get healthy and get healthy quick, not only is this a series now, I think Toronto should be favored at this point. Yeah. Well, they've got the 2-1 series lead. We're not sure when those other guys are coming back. I would be completely shocked if Clay Thompson doesn't come back for game four, but you're right. I mean, I, I don't have an argument against why the Raptors shouldn't be it. And you said, you know, Danny Green hasn't played very well this series. I, he did have five threes coming into this. So I'm. Mean, you're right. He hasn't been that good, but he, it's just another example. They have rolled, you know, they have Nick nurse has cut down that rotation to about seven guys. Serge Ibaka has found the fountain of youth. It seems like in every series when it comes down to, you know, the nitty gritty, I mean, he has been such a huge part of them, uh, part of their success. I've been so, so impressed with Fred Van Vliet. I mean, it seems like, Every time they need a big shot, he's making one. Kyle Lowry had an absolutely awesome game today. Siakam's just been so steady on both sides of the floor. Um, you know, I think that the way that the Warriors are presently constructed, they just can't. I, I would, they won't beat the Raptors if this is how you know they will roll for the rest of the series. Now, I, again, I will be shocked if Clay Thompson doesn't play Game Four, and then I think we're going to see Kevin Durant in either four or five, and then we'll just have to see how that all plays out. But if those guys aren't playing well, they're going to lose this series because the Raptors are playing. If in my opinion, and, and you tell me what you think, because you've, you've watched a lot of them this season too. And you, by the way, called this team would win the East. I, I like, I feel like they're playing at their, we always, I, I always talk about like the, the grade level that I think they're playing their a game right now. And it's not a fluke at all. Like it, it feels like they're, they're hitting open shots. They're doing the things they should do. And they scored 123 points tonight. And that's, generally going to be enough to beat the Warriors, honestly. So I don't know what you think, but I, I think that they're playing an A game, and I think it's absolutely sustainable, especially because they've reclaimed home court advantage. Oh, that's the perfect word for it is sustainable, and that's what Portland couldn't do. I, you, you saw Portland jump out to these types of leads that Toronto has, and you know, mm. you, you, were, you take away that, that third quarter in Game 3, they're up 3-0 in this series. Don't forget, they were up, what what was it, 13 yeah. or 14 going into halftime yep. in Game 2. They had yep. that game in control, and it was just it was a crazy third quarter that uh, Golden State went on a 17 or 18-0 run to take that game over, and it, they just didn't look back. But, you know, you, you take that one quarter away, Toronto's up 3-0 with a hobbled Golden State team. I mean, even if they get Klay Thompson back, he'll probably be somewhat closer to 100%, but I don't know that Kevin Durant coming off of this calf injury is going to be at 100% regardless of what game he comes no. back. And that's a significant downgrade because he's a different player when he's not healthy. 
I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. And again, if if Draymond Green is your second best healthy player, DeMarcus Cousins looks like a shell of the player he once was. He was one for oh, seven in this game for that's four what I mean points. He, when I, mean, I say he, sad, he, you know he, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it it was sad for if you if you are a family member of DeMarcus Cousins and you're watching him and rooting for him, that that is sad because he's he's one of the best centers money. in the league when healthy. Yeah, and and that too. I mean, he he's he's a guy who's going to try to get a big contract this offseason. You're not going to give it to him because he's injury-prone. He hasn't looked good as, as he's come back from this injury. He's, he's playing such a low amount of minutes. And, and I don't know even if this offseason can give you enough confidence for him to have, to have you know, a, a healthy year next year. So regardless of what happens with Durant, I don't think he'll be 100%, like I said. And, you know, the Clay thing I think is the X factor. If Clay comes back, he's, he's 100% or close to 100%, and he plays, you know, one of the, the, the those good Clay Thompson games that we see every three games or so, they should even up this series at home. Uh, but regardless, Toronto now has home court again, and this series is in their hands. It's theirs to lose. Um, I'm not quite there yet in a, as a as a believer that they're going to win this series. For me, it, it, it's it, it really hinges really? on it really hinges on the health of of Kevin Durant and and Clay Thompson. And if they both come back and they're healthy enough to, to to kind of will this team to a victory, they're still the more talented team. But I think there's something to be said for the confidence that Toronto now has. They are not scared of Golden State at all. And I think when you think about last year, the Cleveland Cavs. You know, I, I don't want to say I don't know if "scared" is the right word. These are professional athletes, but LeBron James was the only one that looked ready. Look what Jr. Yeah. Smith did. Look at what George Hill. I mean, the, 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 there was just a lot of players that weren't ready for that moment. These Raptors, right. I think that 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 Philadelphia series and that Milwaukee series. I mean, they had some really really tough series to get them here. They're battle tested. Uh, exactly, for sure. more, more battle tested than any team that we've seen come out of the East probably in the last five or seven years. I mean, maybe since. I- Maybe maybe in the last decade even. I mean, think about Miami. I don't know that they had a challenge like what, what Toronto did this year in the Eastern Conference. And most people thought they were going to lose. They weren't going to win. Milwaukee was going to be the team that came out. Milwaukee goes up 2 nothing. They're able to come back and sweep the rest of the series. I mean, I, I think we're – I think we're. it's surprising how little respect this team had coming into the series. And I think that they've earned it here through three games for sure, at least mine. I – could not agree with you more and I'm as guilty of that as anyone I mean I I thought that Milwaukee had that one locked down I as a an adopted Buck supporter I would say I I was rooting for Toronto to beat Philly because in my mind Toronto was basically just a worst version of Milwaukee I said that repeatedly on the show and and I mean I I thought that Kawhi was worse than Giannis I thought the rest of their cast was worse than Milwaukee's and then you know neither of us gave them any chance against Golden State and even now at two one with home court advantage, you know I don't know that either of us would pick them gun to head in the best of seven series. In part because you know yes, Golden State doesn't have some of their player their best pieces, but they they have absolutely earned everyone's respect with how they've played so far in a league where flukes don't just happen. You know, like it's it's the NBA is hated on. No, exactly. People hate the NBA because they think you can just basically sim to end. And the fact that the Raptors are up two one, the fact that the Raptors even here, and especially that they're up two one, forget the injuries, forget all the other stuff is very impressive. But I do want to give you a ton of credit on one thing you said, which was, you know, I asked you last week or maybe it was two weeks ago, what was the avenue to the Toronto Raptors winning this series? And you said you need someone to get in Draymond Green's head. And I've been waiting for this moment to give you credit because <laughs> 
there there is someone that got in Draymond Green's head, and it was freaking Drake. Like, what the hell? Who knew? Like, I, I didn't think there was anybody that Toronto had. I don't think you could identify anyone that they had that could do that. And then I thought they, Kawhi would be the it. guy just, just surely because he, he won't try to get in your head. And I feel like that – like, remember I said I feel like that would frustrate him enough to get into his head. But, yeah, right. Drake's the guy, and, uh, you know, he's the one thing about Toronto I can't root for. But it, oh, he's he's the beautiful. ultimate – he's probably the – probably the best troll in the history of professional sports as far as fans go. Maybe maybe Spike Lee when they were relevant, but they haven't been relevant in so long, it's it's easy to forget that he even was a fan of them. Right. No, I mean, this is this is another level. I mean, I don't think Spike Lee was ever massaging like Phil or Pat Riley's shoulders or whoever in New York, you know, like or Jeff Van Gundy. It's wild how much access they give Drake, especially a town like Toronto. But they're loving it. They're embracing it. And, um, you know, it's been a really fun series. I I candidly did not expect it to be a fun series. And we're there. I mean, it's 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 a real thing now. And I'm sure we'll be watching it this weekend. And, um, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see if the Warriors can actually, you know, stay this off and what it means, because there are so many balls in the air for this next season based on what happens here. I mean, does I feel like now Kawhi has to stay in Toronto, and I, I mean, maybe he won't, but it'd be wild. And then you know, you've got the Durant stuff, you've got Cousins, you've got you know all these different huge pieces that are going to be these seismic movements in the NBA based on what happens over the next four games. And I, I'm just very excited to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I said coming into this series, I don't even want to watch it because I'm afraid it's going to just be ugly yeah. sweep basketball and. The NBA, like it does so often for me, whether it's the off season, whether it's you know the draft, whatever it is, it's becoming as daily, like uh, as daily of something I need to check in on as the NFL has become over the last fifteen years for me. Oh. I mean, it's it's just yeah. be- it's becoming that magnetic, and it's roped me back in. These NBA finals are now fun again, even though I don't have a rooting interest. I have a rooting against interest, and yeah, Toronto is giving me a reason. To, to, to actually allow myself, my fan and myself to come out again. And I, I've got to say, thank you to Kawhi Leonard for that. And I'm rooting hard yeah. for him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I get that. I know that. in the media I, we're supposed to be unbiased, but I think on this show you realize that I'm not. No, I, no, <laughs> you forget that. That You should be you. I, I mean, I think that it's awesome. So, I, I mean, I just think it's a really well-played series so far. I've been very impressed with Toronto. It's cool. Because it's not like they've kind of like uglied their way into these wins. I mean, Golden State's clearly not playing its best and is hurt. But I think Toronto has absolutely won these games. It's not like the Warriors have lost them. So I I, I think that makes it much more rewarding to watch. And um, it's been it's been a very interesting and long playoffs, but it feels like it's flown by. So super interested to see what happens in these last four. I like I'm with you. I think my hunch is that Golden State's going to find a way to pull it off. But I do think it's going to be a really interesting final set of games. Yeah, I think so too. All right, real quick, I know we uh, are running a little long, but I did I did just want to hear, we've been hearing a lot of smoke around Kyrie Irving leaving Boston. Where do you think it's most likely he's going to land? I, I, Brooklyn was not a team that I was hearing, and now I'm hearing them come into the conversation. Obviously, the Knicks have been somebody that's been talked about. Will he go back and rejoin LeBron in L.A.? If you had to throw some some shekels on this, where would you put your money? Uh, I would still say New York. I just I kind of get the vibe that he and Durant are going to go there. Although I'm fascinated to see what happens with Durant if he's able to f- rescue the Warriors essentially. But I, I mean, as of now, I would say New York. I just 
the Brooklyn thing would be, I don't even know how I'd feel about that. Like, I think I'd appreciate Kawhi or I'm sorry, Kyrie more if he did that, but I, I, I doesn't strike me as something he would do. I just don't get like where that comes from because right. I, I, I have heard this off season, like D'Angelo Russell is somebody that a lot of teams are making, you know, trade calls for. So where, what is Brooklyn like doing? You know what I mean? If if that if that's a call they're taking and seriously considering, I mean he was he's their first All Star in I don't know how long. Um, you know, do you just basically swap out D'Angelo Russell, try to bring in, bring in a piece or two, and, and bring in Kyrie? I don't get that. I don't get that philosophy. So I I don't necessarily. Well, see Russell's Brooklyn. a restricted free agent, I think. Okay. So that's part of it. I mean, they can trade for him, but you're right. I. I I mean, I think that you sign Kyrie with the idea of hopefully keeping Russell and then just throw them together. But I also Woof. think that that's kind of an odd fit. Yeah, agreed. That's a really weird fit. I'm not sure I love that. If I'm Brooklyn, I mean, you you just throw pieces together and see what happens. But I, I think they, they had something they could build on this last season, right? And I mean, I know you watched quite a bit of them um, and were really impressed with them. So I, I think that... Got a good oh, young man, core. I, they, they do. Know, they had some tough injuries to deal with. You think of Karis LeVert. And I mean... They, they they could be they could be a team that, that could kind of get get to that level by doing it the right way uh, because I don't know that it's a free agent destination necessarily uh, but you know I could see I them I could see them being the fi- waters with Kyrie either though yeah, right yeah I mean I I think he's a I think L A makes the most sense just because you know the, the, they're not having any luck really drawing free agents in and you know him and LeBron did win a championship together I I, I wouldn't put that you know, too far out in the stratosphere. I just don't, I mean, a, a Kyrie, Kevin Durant team, I don't know. I don't know what to think of what I would, what that would look like. I don't know. It would, I would hate that. Yeah, that would I, be the most I mean, hateable I would, team. I would, I would hate that team, but I don't know what I would think about, like, the, what they would be able to do on the court. I mean, could they be good with that being your core and maybe, you know, adding one of the top players in this draft or trading it away and bringing in a veteran? I I don't know. It's interesting. I agree. It's weird. I, I mean, in my mind, it's just so hard to picture a team that Kyrie is on going forward that's successful. I, I don't know why I think that. I'm I mean, with you. I'm with you. I, I, I feel like he's a poison, you know? Is. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't know. And so, fine, put him on the Lakers. Like, let that thing, you oh, know, God. just fall talk apart. About, talk about a hateable team. It's basically, oh, yeah. 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 No thanks. <laughs> no thanks. I'm going to pass. <laughs> that would be interesting, but here's here's the way where I could see Kyrie being successful if he somehow paired with Kawhi somewhere, where Ka- Kawhi could offset Kyrie's weirdness, and or maybe Kyrie would just poison Kawhi. I don't know, but I, it would be interesting to see that combo anywhere he goes. I don't expect it to be Boston, but anywhere he goes is going to be just a, a weird, weird team. Yeah, I want Kawhi to stay right where he's at. I, I they have a very likable roster. I can't think like there's. There's really not a player on that roster I don't like. Maybe Ibaka at one point in his career, but I've liked him a lot during his career as well. I don't dislike anyone on that team. I mean, really. no, I, I I don't love Siakam. I think that he's a good player, but you're a big Jeremy Lin guy. <laughs> I love Jeremy Lin. Pat McCaw I, and Danny Green, former Cavaliers. Dude, Danny Green is. Got, he has got such a sweet shot. He needs to stay, too. I believe he's a free agent, if I'm not mistaken, after this year. But Van Vliet and, you know, they don't even have OG Ananobi, who, right. I mean, he's healthy or he's not healthy, I mean, but he was supposed to be like their young stud, you know, and then Siakam kind of stepped into that role. So yep. I think there's an opportunity to get even better without even adding anyone next year. 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully they have a championship to show for it. But like I said, the NBA is reeling us back in. The finals are the finals again, and we're going to be here for it. So, Anchi, was there anything else you wanted to touch on before we let our listeners get to their weekend so we can get to ours and go to Nashville together? No, sir, that's <laughs> going to be so fun. Looking forward to it, my friend. Well, in that case, our time has come to an end on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. We will see you guys next week.